Welcome to ServiceNow Tech Bytes, bringing you an inside look at our products. I'm your host, Steve Miller. Today we'll be talking with product manager Darius Kumari about the walk-up experience. We're going to focus on new developments for the Madrid release, including some new features to help fulfillers. And we'll give you some tips for migrating the walk-up from London to Madrid. Stay tuned. Today, I'm glad to welcome back Darius Kumari from the ITSM team. Hey, how's it going, Steve? Things are going good here. Now, for regular listeners, you're a familiar voice. Uh, back in September, you came in with Daryl Rodriguez and gave us a quick overview of the walk-up experience, which is a new feature in London. Now you're back to tell us what's new in Madrid. That's exactly correct. We've had a lot of positive feedback from those customers who did uptake and actually implement in London. And we've done a lot of work actually enhancing the product in Madrid based on that feedback that we heard around maybe areas we could enhance the product. Well, before we get started, I know you wear a lot of hats around here. What have you been up to lately? Absolutely, Steve. A new hat every day, as they say. So we recently had a new organizational focus, which is a great news for our customers on this concept of employee experience. So traditionally, ServiceNow has been focused very much on the agent, the fulfiller persona, and optimizing how they you know, do their everyday today work. Now, with this next generational focus, we're really focused on that universal employee. So every person in the business, how can we make this their touch points with the organization, whether it's ITSM, which is my realm, or even things like HR, facilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How can we unify those engagement points and really get a proactive, positive customer or employee experience out there for our users? Okay. That sounds interesting. That sounds like it really cuts across uh, a lot of the things that you take care of, like virtual agent, walk up, things like that. That's exactly correct. So any channel that those end users might use to interface with the organization, walk up was one we're talking about today. We've talked in the past about the virtual agent or conversational UI channel. We also have, you know, your traditional channels like a portal, which we're going to be looking at uh, really improving for that employee experience. Well, it sounds like it's uh, going to really keep you busy for a while. Now, how about that 10 minutes a day when you're not at work? What do you like to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So for those rare days where the 10 minutes do find their way on my calendar. So we're based right here out of San Diego. And the, the good news there is the, the weather is usually quite cooperative when it comes to going outside, hitting the beach, you know, hiking the cliffs nearby. All right, well, let's talk about walk-up then. Uh, to start off, for folks who aren't familiar, could you give us just a quick introduction? Absolutely, Steve. So the walk-up experience was built, you know, not necessarily as this novel new thing that organizations weren't familiar with, but as a formalized approach to something that many organizations were already doing in one way or another today, and that's formalizing that walk-up contact channel. Traditionally, it might have been drive-by IT. People know where IT sit. They just walk on over, you know, and they try to get help. That really kills the productivity of the technician, and it's an unstandardized service for the user. Now, on the flip side of that, some organizations did take the initiative to set up this type of tech lounge slash genius bar slash, you know, some kind of formal location where that in-person service could occur. But the problem, again, in this case is now the 
back end quite isn't there. You know, managing the influx of people waiting in line to actually get that walk-up service, driving visibility into what the hours are of that walk-up service, and consumerizing that across interfaces you'd expect to see on those types of interactions, like a queue TV monitor where you could see who's waiting in line, an on-site check-in tablet or CSAT survey, and even importantly, online interfaces to let you check in right from your desk so you could be a little more optimized around your productivity. Okay, and so that sounds like the uh, lineup of features that were introduced with London. So now what's new for Madrid? In London, we took the approach of starting with the requester as our main focus. And that's why you saw most of the interfaces from a UX perspective where cater to that universal employee, that requester. So the check-in screen, the queue, the CSAT survey, the online check-in, it's all catered to that user. But the fulfiller, the technicians... They didn't quite, uh, you know, get the love, so to speak, quite yet. So the good news is in Madrid, a lot of the work we did focused on revamping that fulfiller technician experience and making sure it has that modern UX that the requester experience had. So to be specific, it really involves us moving on to this agent workspace concept powered by an advanced work assignment model, which we'll discuss in just a moment. Now, before we get into that details around workspace and advanced work assignment, there has been additional investments we did based on feedback we got from our customers to help you out with that requester persona. So one feature that came up time and time again, we're really excited to have it in the product, is appointment scheduling. While in London, you could check in online and you get placed in a queue, which gets fulfilled in a first-in, first-out manner, with Madrid, we actually let you have appointment scheduling meaning end users could come to that online check-in interface and select to schedule an appointment at some time frame in the future. They can pick from a configurable slot that has availability, and then they'll even get a reminder notification at a configurable point before that appointment to check in, can you still make it, do you need to cancel, do you need to reschedule? So really neat feature. Now, in addition to that, a smaller enhancement that we did add as well was around the alternative contact information and last name obfuscation. So let me tell you, yeah, let me tell you what that what goodies are there in. So the alternate contact information basically means that we identified when a walk up, a tech lounge, one of these experiences is closed, users are still expecting a pain point, which they tried to get service for. So we're proactively now going to show users, if they're on site, the phone number to call IT to get more help when they're closed. And then online, we'll actually show a link to a record producer to open an incident. So that way the users can immediately put that issue in to get service when the walk-up experience might be closed. Now, the second feature I mentioned was last name obfuscation. Some organizations, uh, especially those that cater and actually have the walk-up available for non-employees, maybe it's guests, vendors, you know, contractors, etc. that may be on site and they want to punch their name into the unauthenticated check-in screen and check-in. Well, they want to still protect the last names of employees on those queue displays. So with last name obfuscation, we give you some options in terms of removing the last name, turning it into an initial, uh, so you have a little more flexibility on how you want that to render on the queues. Okay, well, great. It sounds like these features, the appointment scheduling and the name, uh, contact points, they benefit both the fulfillers and the requesters. 
Yeah, and so for fulfillers, they get to help the users on the user's terms, right? And for the users, it makes it a very consumerized, convenient interaction because now they can pick, hey, is an urgent issue? I need to come in now or next week, Friday. I know I'm not having much going on during the day. I'll schedule a two o'clock uh, walk-up appointment. Okay, good. Streamline it for both sides. Well, a bit ago, you mentioned the agent workspace. Tell us a little more about that. That's right. So the agent workspace is a new feature across the board that ServiceNow introduced in Madrid. But specifically for the walk-up, it's how we're going to allow our technicians, and we recommend you as a customer, to allow your technicians to actually work these walk-up interactions throughout the lifecycle. So in Madrid, when someone checks in to a walk-up queue, they'll be able to get that check-in routed to the inbox, which is a feature of Agent Workspace. It's a where a place where an agent just looks to pick up work that's assigned. So this walk-up technician will look in their inbox. They'll see a new user waiting to be serviced. They'll accept that. And then directly from that interaction in the Agent Workspace, they'll have access to all the different fulfillment paths. So what that means is, A, they can requeue the user. So requeue is like a snooze. Say they're first in line, but they're just not there. You think they're going to show. You want to give them five more minutes. You press requeue, and it kind of puts that interaction to sleep. So you could work on someone else. The other option they have is to accept and move it to work in progress. And then at that point, they'll be able to create an incident. They'll be able to open a request and they'll be able to search stockroom consumables to consume something on behalf of that user. So all the core fulfillment paths you need at a walk-up experience to help that end user with what they need. Now, on top of that, we also have some allocations for during the life cycle. Say there are no show, you could abandon that interaction and just close it out. User has to check in again. Say it's a long running request, like an operating system, and that upgrade is going to take a while. And in the meantime, the technician could actually help someone else. Well, in that case, we have this on hold state. You could press put on hold. And when you do that as a technician, it frees up your capacity and allows you to work on something else, on someone else who walked up without needing to just sit idly watching this computer upgrade. Okay, you said capacity. What does that mean in this context? Capacity is a new concept that is part of the advanced work assignment feature, which is what the Madrid walk-up experience, agent experience is powered by. So it's in agent workspace, which is kind of the front end, and the back end that routes it now, that routes these interactions to the right users, the right agents, is based on this advanced work assignment feature. So let's dig into that and let's dig into specifically the capacity question you asked. So capacity is a new concept. Users for their different channels, walk-up is one channel, chat is one channel, an incident could be another channel, have defined capacity. Let's say you could work on three chats in parallel, but you could only work on one walk-up at a time because it's an in-person synchronous interaction. So the default capacity we ship out of the box of walk-up is one. And then you define conditions for what should impact capacity. So in our case with walk-up, we actually defined it in a way that if the state of an interaction is on hold, if it's closed, or if it's not yet assigned, it won't impact the capacity of a technician. Meaning if you are that technician and you're working on something, putting it on hold, the system will then route you something new because your capacity of one has just become- occupied. Exactly, it became freed up. 
So what we're getting at to here, Steve, is really this new concept of advanced work assignment, because there is candidly a lot of moving parts in getting this logic set up and built in your instance. All right. So you were talking about the agent workspace uh, here in Walkup. How is that different from the agent workspace in other contexts? Yeah, that's a great question, Steve. So the good news is it's actually a standardized interface for our agents, meaning the interaction record that you open up for a Walkup, actually the interface looks and behaves the same as if you opened an incident or if you open an interaction for a chat, of course, in the chat case, you'll actually have a chat panel that pops out to the left. But the overarching layout of your data in the center, your contextual information to help resolution to the right, your buttons to open an incident, close, abandon, etc., on the top, that becomes unified. So that way your fulfillers, as you train them on this next generation interface, they're going to start picking up on it and they can then learn to use it for all fulfillment activities in the future. Okay, so it makes migration of your operations really simple, that way. It's a first step, exactly. It's a first step into moving over the whole help desk to using that agent workspace. Now, this advanced work assignment, this sounds like a really interesting concept, something that could apply much more broadly than just walk-up. Does it apply more broadly on the platform? That's a good point, Steve, because this isn't something that we just built for WalkUp. This is actually a core platform feature that we consumed from WalkUp, meaning that this engine, this advanced work assignment engine, is going to be used to power chat assignment, incident assignment, case assignment, you know, in the future, HR case assignment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it is absolutely meant to be used across multiple data types and not just one channel, which brings me to kind of the data model shift that has occurred between London and Madrid. Since we're on this AWA concept, we shifted and some fields became deprecated and replaced as we made that move to the new data model. So let me talk to you about that. With this advanced work assignment or AWA as we'll call it, it allows us to define these service channels such as walkup, chat, incident, and for each service channel, you define what dictates that channel. So in this case, any interaction of type walkup will go to your walkup service channel. You also dictate the default capacity. So as I mentioned, for the walkup channel, we want capacity one, and you dictate that condition of what affects capacity. So that is the high level channel. Now linked to each channel, you have all the queues. So all the existing walk-up location queues you may have as a customer, or if you're new, any new walk-up location queue you create is going to be linked to that overarching walk-up channel. Now, within those walk-up location queues, there's going to be a new field called the routing condition. And in this routing condition field, you're going to want to make sure to put the condition of location is, and then specify the location of the walk-up. Now, keep in mind that these locations need to be unique. So if you had two walk-ups in San Diego, you need to create one, you know, floor A location and one floor B location that is specific to the different walk-ups. The reason we need this, and as part of if you were on London and moved to Madrid, is that the data model changed, meaning there was a queue field on the interaction object we used in London. That has been replaced by a location reference in Madrid and going forward. So across any logic in the platform, whether it was a business rule, a notification, a report, 
be aware that this Q field on interaction is now deprecated. And location is what you should use to uniquely identify your different walk-up locations. Now, another piece that is newly introduced with AWA and onto the walk-up location queue record is a related list for the actual assignment. So in London, because queue was in place, it was a one-to-one -one mapping, one queue to one walk-up location. But here in Madrid, it's more flexible in that there's a one-to-many mapping in that you can define multiple assignment groups that link to a single walk-up location. And the advantage of that is you could also define the time period, we call it eligibility, that must elapse for that group to become available. So you have your default San Diego technicians assigned at zero second eligibility, meaning it immediately goes to them. Then you could have a, a kind of spillover group, tier two failover group that only comes into play if users waited 15 minutes or more. So that's what makes the new routing engine more powerful and more unique is that it could take into account these more advanced use cases around availability, around capacity, and actually bake it in. Okay, so you talk about the case of capacity and overflow, things like that. Could you also use that for functional specializations, have a different groups handle different types of requests? Yep, and so when we, we touch on this topic of functional specialization, the more uh, key word that I'm going to touch on is skills. So advanced work assignment, AWA, is actually built in a way to adhere to skills. So if you have your skills management enabled, you could assign skills to groups and skills to the different assignment rules. So that way the work that gets routed is not only based on this location criteria, but also based off a skill-based criteria. All right, so you've talked about the queues and service areas and so on as part of AWA. Uh, is there anything else you need to set up for that? Yeah, so there's the service channels. There's the walk-up location queues that link to those service channels. There is uh, two other areas that you should be looking into. One is this concept of present states. So be aware that with this AWA concept, you have this concept of availability or presence, meaning a user in the workspace needs to actually say, I'm online and I'm online specifically for the walk-up channel. So the unique part there is they can actually say I'm online just for walk-up or I'm online just for chat or I'm online for chat and walk-up depending on how their capacity is going. So that's one concept you do have to set up is the present state and make sure there's a walk-up present state set to active. The other piece that you need to look into is if you want to edit it, you don't have to, is the inbox layout. So there's now a concept of an inbox that technicians have, which I mentioned. So instead of work getting pulled, a traditional pull model, really one of the key things that we wanted with AWA is make it a push model. Meaning no matter where work comes from, you're getting it pushed into your inbox as a technician and you just kind of have to sit there and accept, accept, accept and pull that work off the top. Now that inbox, does the system prioritize that in any way? Does it make it really easy for the technician, in other words, just lift the top item off? Uh, how the work gets assigned is actually based on these assignment rules that you've defined on your service queue. So for each walk-up location queue, usually you're going to use the same assignment rule, but you could define, for example, a... Uh, round robin style assignment. You could define a capacity based assignment. So it's it doesn't just go A, B, C, D. It goes, is A free? I'm going to go to A. Is A still free? I'm going to go to A right before going to B. So you can actually define the behavior that that routing engine is going to take. Now, in addition to that, you have the ability to also define kind of the high level order, like the sort order that you'd like to use in case you do have multiple of the same. 
items in your inbox to see what that is. So tell me, do you have to use the agent workspace and walk up or are there options if you, if you choose not to, if you're not ready, can you do something different? That's a great question. So especially customers going London to Madrid, who in London, they just had list and forms. There might be a retraining effort needed to get them onto that agent workspace Madrid interface. So list and forms, it technically is still, you know, in the platform, it's still functioning. Now, I will say, even if you still want to use list and forms, you still have to set up the AWA in the back end. That is the routing engine, regardless of what front end agent workspace versus list and forms you want to use. The second key thing I'm going to mention is with this agent workspace, you still have on workspace the notion of lists. So you can still access list and forms, but just in agent workspace without fully having to, you know, use the legacy platform UI of list and forms. All right. Well, how about for those folks who've already implemented this on London and are looking to move up to Madrid? Uh, Any advice for them, things to look out for? Yeah. And so there's two things here. One is things we're doing for you as a product team, what we've done on Upgrade to try to simplify this experience. And two is what you should look out for that you may have customized or configured that may have, you know, have had some issues on Upgrade because of these data model changes. So what are we doing to help you move this this data over on the migration? So we actually have fixed scripts that run that will go ahead and update all your interaction records so that they have this location field and that the location field is actually populated. We're also going to go ahead and automatically move your old legacy walk-up location queue to the new walk-up location queue record that'll include that routing condition predefined to map to that location that I mentioned. Now, in addition to that, for AWA to make sure that it kind of seamlessly is configured, so the walk-up service channel will be created for you with a capacity of one and a preset card layout for the inbox. Now, in addition to that, for AWA to make sure that it kind of seamlessly is configured, so the walk-up service channel will be created for you with a capacity of one and a preset card layout for the inbox. The routing rules, as I mentioned, will also be auto-generated based on the location that was defined on the walk-up location. Now, if you had two walk-up locations in London and they both referenced the same single CMN location record, such as San Diego A and B lounges, both referencing just San Diego, do be aware we had to do a duplication on our end. So we'll actually clone for one of those lounges the San Diego location and append a unique prefix so that it becomes a different record. So that is required to have unique locations for the Madrid data model for doing that routing that I mentioned, that reporting, etc. And that brings me to the next piece, which is things to double check and watch out for. So customizations that were done to the UI, if you customize and actually edit the widget code for the online check-in screen or the on-site queue, then you may not inherit some of these new appointment scheduling features that we added or the last name obfuscation. So be aware around that because you may on upgrade need to revert back to base to uptake our changes in Madrid. The next area is the reports. If you wrote custom reports, there's a good chance you use the queue field. Now, since we're using location, make sure reports are using location to differentiate between your different lounges. Filtering, there's a change between the type and channel that is being used. 
Now, for the custom notifications that you may have written, there is a slight state model change for that interaction object. So just double check your notifications to see that they're still firing when you expect them to fire. Out of the box, the notifications like the group notification will also be disabled because we don't have this one-to-one -one mapping. It is now a one-to-many mapping and we can't just send an email to a group because it's more dynamic now on if that group is actually involved. Finally, your custom business rules and other logic that you may have created running on those deprecated fields like queue or a deprecated state will no longer be valid in Madrid. So just double check those. All right, you talked about the state model and a deprecated state. Uh, can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, so we introduced a revised state model in Madrid on the workflow of how the interactions will proceed through the lifecycle. So this is a good area to dive into. When a user schedules an appointment, you know, when they first come in, before they even press the online check-in, say they just do an appointment, we create an interaction and it's going to be in the on-hold state. And it's going to stay in the on-hold state until a few minutes prior to the actual appointment time, at which point it'll move into new. Now, new is also the state used when a user checks in on-site or online for immediate addition into a queue. So we just discussed on-hold being used by the appointments, new as being the state for when the user is actually in the queue. So once a technician actually accepts a walk-up interaction, it gets moved to work in progress. Now, at this point, there's a couple of paths that the technician could take. If the technician thinks the user is not going to show up, they can press abandoned, and that's going to switch the state of the interaction to closed abandoned. If the user sees that it's a long-running request, the technician, and they need to free up their capacity, they can press the put on hold button, which will move the state to on hold, which will free up their capacity. Now, if they just want to give the user a little more time to show up, say they're called and they're not actually there in the walk-up location, there's also a requeue button. When you press the requeue button, it goes into a snoozed state and then it'll move back to the new state after a pre-configured time frame for someone to pick up once again. Now, once that technician has completed that walk-up interaction, they'll press close and that moves the interaction to the closed complete state. So we have on hold, new, work in progress, close abandoned, and close complete. All right. Well, that's a great overview of the new walk-up. If users want more information on this, where can they go? Absolutely, Steve. So the first place that you always should go to learn more about what happened in a release, what's new, you know, and how does just the existing functionality work is our product documentation. We've done a walk-up podcast in London, which overviews the course that it features there for the requesters in a bit more detail than we went into today. In addition to that, we have a couple of videos showing the walk-up in action and answering some common questions around the walk-up experience. On the ServiceNow community, you'll also find a blog about the walk-up experience and a white paper paper I wrote dictating on a good implementation of a walk-up using that Madrid version. Now, beyond all this, if you're interested in more and your organization is looking to implement a walk-up, in our upcoming Knowledge 19 conference, not only will we have a lab session that actually runs you through the steps of implementing this walk-up end-to-end, we should also have a 
customer speaking session where you can hear about a implementation story and journey here with the walk-up experience. Okay, that's great. And those videos, you can find those on the YouTube ServiceNow support channel. All right, Darius. Well, thanks again for joining us uh, here on the show. It was uh, great to have you. No problem, Steve. Until next time. Please tell us what you think of this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more information on any ServiceNow topic, take a look at our product documentation, knowledge base, or Now Support YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.